0: hi everyone welcome to the wise woman podcast today we have holly toronto in this episode we talk about the quarantine 15 we also dive into the number one reason you may be emotionally eating right now so be gentle here and holly offers us a few healing practices and how to use embodiment to navigate challenging emotions during this pandemic thanks for being here Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast. I'm so excited to have Holly Toronto here. Hi, Holly. Hi, Erin. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. I'm super excited to dive in. And I want to start with really this conversation that I see a lot on social media, quarantine 15. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: it's a big topic of conversation right now. Um, do you want me to just go ahead and, and jump in and talk about yes, that? Yes, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> yeah, so um just so listeners know a little bit about where I'm coming from. So I am certified as a health coach and I specialize in body image and intuitive eating for women. And what that really means is that I'm helping women look at their relationship to their body and their body image as sort of an entry point into. Health and well-being and connection to themselves. Uh, we live in a society and a culture that teaches us as women to value ourselves based on things that are outside of us, predominantly our external appearance, and so that puts a lot of pressure on us to conform to these societal ideals. So, the idea of you know potentially putting on fifteen pounds or having our bodies change in some way or missing an exercise, uh, a workout, or missing um. Uh, or emotionally eating or something like that can be fraught with a lot of fear for women. And right now, everything in the, the climate that we're living in, where there's so much chaos, so much uncertainty, um, a lot of, I think, people's shadows are coming to the surface. Um, we're also being inundated with this message around like, don't let yourself go during quarantine and don't gain the quarantine 15. And so here we are with like, all of this um, all of this chaos that's happening that we don't know how to navigate but then also adding on top of that a layer of like make sure you don't let yourself go And so when I'm coming across this message, whether it's in a client that I'm working with or somebody who follows me on social media or just in conversation with a colleague or a friend who they're feeling like, oh my god, I can't Um, you know, work out in the way that I used to, or I'm emotionally eating a lot. I'm afraid of what's going to happen to my body. I really love to first and foremost, invite us to approach this from a place of deep, deep, deep compassion for ourselves. None of us were given a rule book with how to handle this or navigate this. And so to add an extra layer of shame on top of it is not serving us. And so if we can just approach this conversation first and foremost from a place of compassion that will serve us so tremendously. But then also, I really think it's important. One of the things that I talk about in my work with my clients is the idea of body image resilience. And when I look at body image resilience, the first step is to actually take a step back and look at the reason why we're fearing the quarantine 15. Look at the reason why we hold, we place so much value on our external appearance and our bodies to be good and to conform. Right. Most of that is stemming from this place of deep scarcity. Scarcity of what we might lose, right? The love, the praise, the accolades, the attention, um, all of these things that I consider to be resources, right? Resources that we hold onto that we're fearing that we'll lose if our bodies were to change. And so if we kind of separate that and look at it from like this place of like, oh, what am actually fearing right now? And just buying into this narrative around, oh my God, the quarantine f- 15. I'm actually, I'm afraid of losing my sense of self-worth, or I'm afraid of losing love, or I'm afraid of being rejected. What will people think of me? And that's a very, very tender place to look at, but that's where the work actually is because so much of our body image is actually a projection of how we feel about ourselves as a whole and less about what the body looks like, if that makes
0: sense. Uh, Yeah. This is the psychology of eating. It's The reason I went back to school for clinical psych, as opposed to like going down the dietetics route. Absolutely. I mean, the way we feed ourselves is at like the form of, of highest self-love and highest nutrition. Something that I've been loving right now is when we look at well being in quarantine, it's all these different elements. We thought we would feel fulfilled when we put in eight to nine hours of work a day, but really it's, this percentage of work and this percentage of meditation and mindfulness and exercise and eating food that is actually nourishing. It's really a holistic approach. And it sounds like that's what you take.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the truly holistic approach because I think in, you know, right now diet culture has sort of taken the idea of holistic health and made it just about physical health. And, and physical health is incredibly important. It's something that I value for myself and for my clients. But if we're going to take a truly holistic approach to our well being, it does include all of those aspects of ourselves, including spirituality, including our emotions, our mental well being, our creativity. We are dynamic human beings, right? With lots of different facets of us. Um, and we, when we put too much emphasis on one of them, the other tends to suck.
0: And if you're listening to this right now, and this resonates, and you're being hard on yourself for eating outside of your scope of, quote unquote, what healthy looks like for you, be gentle here. I mean, if Holly and I really want to get to anything, it's like now is not the time to be hard on yourself. Now is not the time to shift your diet. Now is not the time to do a crazy deep detox. It's a time to eat and be gentle as as much as you can. And I love how you sent me the question, the number one, what's the number one reason you might be emotionally eating? I know I'm doing this right now. I know that this is something that just, I just want my tortilla chips. Like this is just let me have it Mm -hmm. maybe a little more coffee than usual. And that's been really healing for me, but what's underneath that?
1: Yeah. So Um, I think that the dominant narrative around emotional eating and and this, it's a valid conversation to have is that we use emotional eating to shove down our feelings, right? That's, that's something to me, like that's part of it, but it's oversimplifying what's actually really there because if we look, if we kind of take a step back and we look at what's underneath any type of behavior that comes up around food, that feels compulsive, that feels out of control, that feels like, oh my gosh, I have no control over this. It's usually stemming from a place of restriction. So there's actually tons of studies that have shown that people who have a restrictive or even a history of dieting, right? They tend to lean more into emotional eating than say somebody who doesn't have a history of restriction or dieting, which truthfully, I don't know many people that that don't. I mean, there's men in my life, like my husband, it's like for him, he doesn't emotionally eat because he has no history of, of dieting or restriction. Um for me, I used to really struggle with emotional eating because I had this highly restrictive relationship with food. And the thing about our relationship to food, you know, we have evolved as a human species to be acutely resistant to starvation and restriction. Our bodies actually experience that as a threat to our survival. And so anytime we're putting ourselves into this state of um, restriction, um maybe even to the point of starvation, this simply going on a diet that's sending a lot of signals to our brain that's like alarm bells of like, oh my gosh, this food is a scarce resource. And it can tend to heighten feelings of compulsion, heighten cravings, heighten the sense of like, I can't stop thinking about food. And then on top of that, um, when we are in a vulnerable state, right, and we're experiencing a lot of really intense emotions, um, it makes us that much more likely to lean into food to comfort ourselves, Right. So when we're looking at emotional eating, yes, to feeling your emotions, yes, to expressing them and moving them through your body. That's incredibly important work. But also, we can't have that conversation without looking at the deeper underlying reason that you might be emotionally eating in the first place. And that's restriction, deprivation and dieting. And so in my practice, what I'm looking at with my clients is how can we use um, intuitive eating, which is a a book that I use for myself that I came across about five years ago and really informs my practice. I'm not sure if Erin, you're familiar with it at all, but um, it's really the foundational principle of that book is to give yourself unconditional permission to eat unconditional permission to eat the foods that you enjoy, that satisfy you, that bring you pleasure, that energize you, and really to know that no foods are off-limits. Because when we put these foods into off-limit categories, like, oh, like you said, tortilla chips, like, oh, if you're not allowed to have tortilla chips, if you place that rule, that would make you that much more likely to probably eat the entire bag of tortilla chips versus, you know, sitting down with a bowl and really enjoying them because they're something that brings you satisfaction and pleasure. So, really looking at that underlying reason why you might be emotionally eating its its looking at the restriction piece of it and really starting to lighten up on the rules, kind of going back to what we were talking about before. Like now is not the time to be on a diet. Now is not the time to be, now is the time to be gentle, to loosen up on these expectations and these rules that we place on ourselves.
0: Women, Food, and God by Janine Roth is the book yeah. that absolutely took my, everything I believed about food, everything that came to my mind and my relationship to eating and nourishment that just blew it out of the water. I mean, it's, it's self-worth. It's Mm, really like nourishing and feeding your system in a high level way. I was just talking to some majority of my clients are more spiritual based entrepreneurs and, it's this typically a person who maybe would fall in the type A category. So they're doing, you know, they're writing their pipeline funnels, they have all their social media content, they're supporting their passive income, and they're eating like their eating's odd, odd like crazy. So I was talking to one of my clients, it was about three or four o'clock, and she was really hard on herself about already opening up the bottle of wine. And I think this is the time you have to go in grace. Like this is absolutely yeah. if you have a history of alcoholism, there is a deeper conversation here. But in this situation, it was a judgment on herself for indulging on wine way earlier in the day that that she normally would have. But in those moments, it's the doubling the devotion and compassion, yes. gentleness, yes. yeah. A hundred
1: percent. I couldn't agree more because what, what that tends to do when we bring in the shame, it's like you hear a lot of times people talk about like falling off the wagon, right? It's like, oh, I fell off the wagon. I might as well stay off. Right. So when we're putting that shame and that guilt on top of the behavior, we're more likely to stay in that place of not honoring and not caring for our bodies than if we were to look at it with give ourselves grace, give ourselves compassion and and just be like, okay, that happened. Right. Kind of like let go of the emotional reaction that happens with it. It's like, okay, that happened. Now I need to move on with my life. Right. What can I choose next time?
0: Knowing that wine is
1: always a choice.
0: Yeah. Wine is always a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily at three or four o'clock, but having gentleness Mm -hmm. there when, when it is time, when it is called. So how can we use embodiment to navigate challenging emotions during this global pandemic?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The thing about that I love about embodiment work is that it's about coming back into the body, right? I don't know if you see this with your clients, but I'll, I'll be having a conversation with my clients. That's that. Should be or likely is something deeply emotional, and I'll ask them a question about how it feels, and they'll go, Hmm, and they'll be all up here, right? Trying to logic it, trying to like really make sense of it in their head when their body is actually what's holding all of the answers. And so, something I always say to my clients, I'm like, Stop, you're trying to logic your way to how you're feeling right now, close your eyes and drop into your body. What are you actually feeling in your body? And our body is hold so much for us. They hold the emotions that we don't want to feel. They hold our traumas, they hold our fears, they hold so much for us. And if we're not allowing that to move through our body, we're not allowing, we're not accessing that. um, It will manifest in in different ways. For me, that looks like sickness. Like if I'm not moving my emotions through my body, it will manifest as me getting sick, which during a time like this, I'm like, all right, I got to feel and feel and feel because I don't want to get this thing. For others, it might manifest as like lashing out with anger and maybe a more destructive way versus um, just expressing anger in a way that like anger is a valid emotion and you get to express it, but maybe it's in a more harmful um, or, yeah, lashing out type of way. And so the way that we can use embodiment to navigate these challenging emotions is to actually get out of our heads and get into our bodies and ask our bodies to partner with us in expressing and moving those emotions. And there's many different ways that we do this. I actually have um, a meditation series. It's an embodiment meditation series that walks people through um, tuning into their bodies and listening to what they have to say. Meditation is a great way to do it. Dancing is one of my favorite ways to do it, just sort of through like putting on a song that matches what I know that I'm feeling and allowing myself to express that. Um, Any type of art, sometimes I'll have my clients just like take a pen and like scribble if they're like feeling like, Anger or sadness, um, really anything that allows us to just kind of connect deeper within our bodies so that we can move those emotions um, because they they need to go somewhere.
0: Oh, girl, yes. I was supposed to get married this weekend. So it's very, it's very, I am so grateful that we're all healthy and safe. And I'm so fucking sad. And it's so... I just wasn't, I mean, the whole wedding planning thing, it wasn't interesting to me. It wasn't like very exciting. And then very slowly this like weekend crept up and I'm reacting in a way that is even shocking me at this level of like, just like, so like grieving what, what this right now was supposed to feel. And in my, you know, thank God for my spiritual practices and for my incredible partner and, and family. Um, but I've been dancing. Like it's just get out of my way. Like I just need Mm -hmm. to take up space and be free and, and connect to nature in a way that feels safe and grounded, but also dancing in a way that I haven't really moved before because it's like a sadness. It's like letting that move through my body as well. And, Finding the right embodiment for you, and it definitely changes over time with the specific emotion that is trying to be expressed. But it almost feels like a deep guttural sigh, like an exhale. Yeah,
1: yeah, and oh my gosh, the grief. I mean, the grief that you must be experiencing right now. It's that, that's just so tough. And and grief is a word that I think many people like associate with you know, only something like death or tragedy could bring up something like grief. But like what we are experiencing right now is a collective tragedy, is a collective grief. And so many people are feeling that and they're like, I I don't know, am I allowed to feel this? Or there's this fear of like, if I go into this feeling and allow myself to express it, am I going to get stuck there, right? So it's like, oh, I'll just use like, you know, sort of spiritual bypassing or affirmations to get over it. But no, like our bodies want to, like they want us to express that. Um, and you know, that's something that I always say to my clients. It's like, yeah, these, these emotions that you might be experiencing right now, some of them might be dark, right? Some of them might feel really constrained, but like, I promise you, you have the strength to move through them. And if you don't, then like, that's what coaches and healers are for. Like we can help you navigate and process and move through them. Um, but they're so incredibly valid. Every feeling that you have is so incredibly valid.
0: And for all my empaths out there, just making sure that you are checking in and recognizing what you are feeling is yours and it's not somebody around you. And I know for some people that does mean sleeping in your own bed at night, even if you are with a partner. And it does mean like really taking your own space if you can and just being very conscious of what's your baggage and what's the people around you's baggage. Absolutely. 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 So, what are the practices you're using right now to stay grounded? Mm,
1: so, right now, I've been doing. Um, I just came across a, a breathwork practice called called the Wim Hof method. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it.
0: Yeah, but, I've practiced yeah. with Wim.
1: Oh, awesome, mm. awesome! Yeah, I never like I like one day I knew that I needed breathwork. Like it was just like my body told me, like you need to breathe. Like anxiety, stress, all of that is causing you to like kind of tense and hold in your breath and not really um, breathe properly. So I just like went on YouTube. And <laughs> I'm like, What's a good breath practice? And that's the one that came up. And so I've been doing that every single day. And that's been a really powerful practice for me. Uh, I move my body every way in an intentional way, um, not from a place of like, you know, punishing or bur- having to burn calories type of thing, but in a way that allows me to get my heart rate up um, and connect to my body in a really powerful way. Um, like you said, being in nature, you know, I live in New York city and so sometimes that feels a little inaccessible, but I'm also very, very lucky that I have, uh, at least a little backyard that I can go out into and, um, accessibility to, uh, some hiking trails near, like not too far away. Um, but nature, breath, dancing, um, journaling, being with my dog, <laughs> uh, that's something, those are things that I'm really practicing right now to stay in my body.
0: Beautiful. These are all things that we really need to double our devotion in right now. And being a human being and letting yourself be real in that. Holly, if you had wisdom, if you had advice to share with all the wise women in the world, what would that offering be? Mm,
1: I love this question so much. And the thing that comes to mind right now, if we can sort of like marry it back to, the body image piece of this is to remember your sovereignty. And when I think about sovereignty, sovereignty means that I am the number one authority on my life. I'm the number one authority in my body. I'm the number one authority on my passions, my purpose, what I'm here to do, right? No one else gets to decide that for me. And so to be really mindful of when uh, we're making decisions for our body, if we're doing it from this place of, uh, external expectations, whether that's from society or a parent or some other authority that we think has agency or, over our, our decisions and really to tune into your own sovereignty um, and ask yourself, is this coming from a place of my deepest knowing that I can trust myself, that I'm, I'm autonomous, that I have agency to take this next step for my body, for my life, for um, yeah, my well-being.
0: Amen. I'll have some of that. That's beautiful. Holly, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with all the wise women. How can we find you?
1: Yeah. So I would say that the easiest way to find me would be on social media. Super easy. Holly underscore Toronto underscore coaching. Um, and that is Toronto spelled exactly like the Canadian city. I'm not from there, but that is my last name. Um, and yeah you can hook up with me on Instagram. Um, again, I have an embodiment exercise that's in the the link in my bio so people can use that if they're wanting to do a little bit more of embodiment work. Um, and yeah, that's probably
0: the best way to get a hold of me. Divine. Thank you so much, Holly. Everyone feel free to comment below. Let us know which rituals help you really connect to your own unique embodiment. As always with podcasts, we need high rating subscribers and comments to receive good standing and continue sharing wise words with women around the globe. So please comment, subscribe, rate us. We love hearing from you. Big love and looking forward to chatting again next week.